episode of Learned, the podcast, with your hosts, Dr. John Paul and Kevin Allred. If I could be the kind of girl that you could be down for, cause when I look at you, I feel something tell me. Then you're the kind of guy that I should make a move. Kevin, if you know the words, join in. <laughs> I forgot and the words. And if I don't let you know, then I won't be for real. Okay, that's enough. How are you? How are you this week, Kevin? I'm good. How are you? You got some brandy going on. Yeah, I don't know why that song just kind of jumped out at me. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to sing Brandy a little bit for the for the listeners this week. <laughs> when we come in, you're just going to come into some Brandy. All right. Yes. But how was your week? Um, it was all, it was all right. It was good. I made it mm-hmm. through. We're here <laughs> again. And Yes, we're here and we're queer. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say, actually, it's been two weeks. So two weeks, right? I don't, has there been any, anything like fun, anything cool going on? Oh, no, not fun. No, no, there's no fun <laughs> in, in the world today. No, that's not true, but kind of true. Uh, you know what? No, it just... really is kind of true. <laughs> it's kind of true. I've just been working a lot. Um, but like doing work, you know, that's all writing and editing. So it doesn't really, you don't really have anything to show because it's a book. So it's not like an article that's coming out. So you don't really have anything to show for it. So you never get that feeling of like, ooh, I accomplished something. It's just like time and more time and more edits. And so it kind of like just weighs down <laughs> on you. Not to mention the whole shit festival world we're living in right now, but... I have been trying to process. It's like every week we are hit. You know what? Last week was the week. I think last week was the week where I literally at one point was like, let me just unplug the world and (laughs) plug her back in so that way we can start (laughs) all over again. Because I just kept going. Every day I felt like there was something new that we were having to deal with. But I've kind of felt the same way. Um, I've been pretty good. I spent this weekend at DragCon. That was fun. fun, It was, it was. There were moments where things got a little testy. I think this year is a lot bigger than what it has been in years prior. And it was actually in a bigger space. Mm. So being pressed and trying to navigate, you know, you have, like I had my partner and I had my best friend with me having to navigate them wanting to have a good time, but then also having to be there and do like work. It becomes kind of like hard to to navigate so many things, but it was really cool. I was able to connect with some folks, was able to see some of the queens. um, And I was able to actually get a really decent article out of it so yeah yeah that's good so yeah that was pretty it so talking about trash in the world before Uh, we jump into our topic this week what has been your kind of like your hot take on some of the stuff that's been going on around us well i mean so kind of zeroed in on this idea of pandering pandering Mm -hmm. to i mean we could talk about it in a lot of different ways but this kind of it kind of goes from what we were talking about in the recess section last time, pandering to queer culture. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I had mentioned Casey Musgraves, not that she she was pandering necessarily, but how there was this whole kind of movement to make her a queer icon, make straight women in music queer icons, which sometimes works out, I don't know, sometimes it works out better than other times. Um, 
But I have just been thinking, and this is weird for me because I don't even really care about Rita Ora that much. Uh, <laughs> there's been a song or two that I've listened to and like, you know, bobbed my head. But this whole thing, she put out this new song. Um, is it just called Girls or Girls, Girls, Girls? I don't know. Lo- I think it's called Girls. Just lots of girls. And there's lots of girls featured <laughs> on the song. Um and I didn't even, it wasn't even on my radar, but then there was some backlash that came from some other artists, um, some other queer identified artists saying that it was like really harmful and dangerous, which I thought was kind of hyperbolic language. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, on one hand, you could kind of, there's a read that Rita Ora is maybe pandering to queer culture, pandering to... Um, the queers to get a hit single um shade but go on i mean right um (laughs) but to me i got i i don't know why i'm getting like kind of enraged about the whole backlash because i don't see it i don't see that this is like a super dangerous thing to the queer community and also like rita ora i know she was like playing with or backing away from an identity a bisexual identity or a queer identity um today though she kind of has put up an apology for the song saying she didn't Mm -hmm. mean to hurt anyone which i thought was a really strange move too it kind of feels like she was bullied into an apology um and she did come out and say you know i date men and i date women i don't think she used the word bisexual but like she doesn't need to necessarily in my opinion right um but for me, it just felt really weird. Like, are we just, are we policing? Because it's been kind of rumored and known. She had the thing with Cara Delevingne, or maybe it's still, I don't know. But, you know, people have talked about Rita Ora being in relationships with women, even if she hasn't embraced that identity. And then looking at the lyrics themselves, I don't really see it. I heard people saying, I think Kalani said that, it implies that you have to be drunk to sleep or kiss women or something. Cause she says, yeah, that's what I read. Cause she says read, red wine. I just want to yeah. kiss girls, but yeah, that's what like, I read. Sometimes queer people drink some red wine and just kiss each other. It's not like you have to drink the red wine to kiss right. someone. I mean, I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of really complicated politics around someone. So Rita Ora, first of all, having maybe a bisexual identity maybe not um but at least dating both men and women and like what does that mean is this a step in towards her coming out and then to be kind of shot down by the queer community um in in some ways saying hey don't you dare do it like this don't you say this these things this way because it's harmful i just didn't see i didn't see the fact i didn't see the song as I didn't see it as a good song, first of all. Like, <laughs> I didn't. Right, I didn't, it's not a good song. Yeah, I didn't like like the song. So Mm-mm. today, everyone thinks if you're defending something, like you think it's the best song. No, it's not really right. a good song. But I didn't see the straight girl narrative and the like male gaze that this is all for the male gaze. There's even a part of a verse where there's like a guy like let's invite him to play or something. I don't know the lyrics. I'm just making things up now. Mm-hmm. But in that <laughs> case it's like two women that make a decision to bring a man in because they want to, not because it's like they're performing for him. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I just have this thing, maybe it's cuz I'm a teacher and I'm like you need to go and cite the source and go to the text. Like you have to look right. at the song as the text. 
and I don't get in the lyrics where this claim of harm is coming from and like I, I guess I just then don't like to see people arguing back and forth about this is how you can be queer this is how you can't be queer um I know and it, I think that's yeah. I was gonna say I think that's a really good point to kind of highlight this week so knowing each week we kind of start off when we talk about this podcast being kind of like the library's open and reading is essential I think it's imperative for us to kind of first like there there maybe two things that I wanted to notate and then I'll throw it back to you you had made mention about this idea of um the song not being good and so I wanted to be real cautious because I know people will probably depict and say okay you have two cis queer men talking about a song that's focusing on girls and they're saying this song is not good so they're obviously anti-women or they're anti-bisexual women or whatever i know how the world works and so i, I wanted to put that out there first and say that i don't personally i don't think the song is good because it's just not a good song um <laughs> and i love songs that embrace like even thinking about make me feel right we go back to that that song knowing pink knowing make me feel all those songs by janelle monet was, were about a woman love though love those songs this song is just not a good song but i also <laughs> think it's imperative for us to notate to that kind of going back to your point around this idea of how we police one another really getting into this idea of, of uh, and, and this week focusing on pandering how we get so how everyone is so quick to critique someone's actions whether it be a song or how they identify or whatever the case may be and really wanting to challenge this idea of where where are we really talking about um identity like how do we really talk about identity and it being so true to somebody in a way where someone else doesn't have the space or the responsibility or the right i should say to critique it so i just wanted to throw that out there oh yeah absolutely i mean when i say like the song isn't good i personally don't mm -hmm. in like like the song it's not the lyric it's just the sound I of it either. like it doesn't catch my ear it doesn't make nope. me want to listen that's all right and they put bb rex on it and i was done i was like okay I, i'm good <laughs> i didn't i don't know her music i don't know um, i don't know her charlie xcx is she the other one or something like that no, she is another nobody like i know cardi b and mm -hmm. i know of rita Ora. <laughs> um right but it's not so yeah it's like it's hard to talk about pop culture, especially today with social media and the way people attack. I had a couple instances over the past week just saying something about Taylor Swift always gets you. Like I just really we've said before, we don't I don't really care about her, but I care about like the messages she represents what she's doing. and that that is a different conversation. So yeah. Um and I'm actually kind of coming at this from a position of like there needs to be more kind more avenues available to represent yourself as queer or or these right. experiences because then in her apology today Rita Ora did say like this is actually my verse whatever my like opening verse is based on a relationship I had so like who is anyone else to say well that relationship isn't good enough to represent queerness or bisexuality and in fact it harms the queer community um when it was actually like it's a step she's taking to discuss this publicly to discuss this openly it keeps getting compared to katie perry's i kissed a girl which and even rita ora said um like she was inspired by that if you take the the two songs as texts right Katy perry's song is definitely about the male gaze she keeps saying like oh i hope my boyfriend doesn't mind like Haha, i'm gonna kiss a girl 
Like, right. but clearly, if you analyze the song itself, it's about this kind of. And she's even said that today. She said, "I would change a lot of things about it because it's stereotypical, whatever." But I don't see those same things necessarily in. There's one moment in Cardi's verse where it, you could read it that way, but again, there's all these different people singing. So why does Rita Ora get attacked for you know what's in Cardi's verse or, or vice versa? Right. Um. I don't know. I just like everyone's so quick to jump on it. You heard it once. You jumped on Twitter. You made or Instagram or wherever. Um, and we have these. This goes for everything. It's not just this song, but we have these right. v- visceral reactions that we throw out there, and it like it shuts down conversation. Mm-hmm. I think for me, I, I so I kind of want to take it from this place of so now we've centered the conversation around Rita Ora, but then there are like all these other artists who ultimately have done the same thing and have not gotten the same backlash. And so I kind of oh. wanted to instead of just being able to like focus on Rita Ora, like actually being able to call out some of the other folks that have you know either wouldn't even say pandered, but ultimately have utilized the queer community as a way to sell records. Right. So I get frustrated thinking about so i'm gonna throw it back to 20 uh 2016 and thinking about around the time of pulse and how nick jonas in a lot of ways uh had used his platform and had used his music and his image and all these different things to really get the you know even at one point i think he had played at like a gay club out here in los angeles and everyone had made this big deal of like oh is he or is he not and i'm going i'm going like why is he you know and this is something had always been you know it bugged me to an extent of knowing that there were artists specifically artists who were very cis cis presenting and then heteronormative presenting in a lot of ways would come to gay spaces take our money take our dimes and then run and not say anything about what we needed as a community or how they're what they're doing to actively support and i think this kind of goes back to what i was saying last week right don't just say you're a part you want to be a part of our community because it's convenient and so thinking like going past pulse going past nick jonas right we get to this place now where i'm i'm starting to posit the two against each other and i'm going why is it that women artists and I don't and I also want to be very clear when we were going back and forth about our notes for this episode I was saying you know I had mentioned Madonna I had mentioned Taylor Swift and I had said it bugged me to no end that both Taylor Swift and Madonna and Cher and a whole bunch of other women have made a a substantial amount of money by pandering to gay you know the gay culture or LGBTQ culture etc but I guess where I'm now you know now that you're framing it from the reader or a stance I'm challenging this idea of why is it that male artists don't catch the same heat when they're pandering mm. to the LGBTQ community, whereas when women do it, Katy Perry, Rita Ora, Taylor Swift, you know, she caught a lot of heat. And I even wrote an article about Taylor Swift and her and her gaze, quote unquote, in her video um, for her first single off the latest album. Mm. Um, and even down to Madonna, Cher, Britney, Christina, even now, right? Christina is trying to get all of her gay fans to love and support her music. And I'm praying that it's good. <laughs> but overall, I'm just saying, like, I think that there's a, a double standard between how we talk about who gets in trouble for doing what when it comes to the LGBTQ community. And so I guess the question that I'm left with asking is, is are folks like, I think it's Kalani, because I don't really, I don't mm-hmm. know her like that. She Kalani. was one of the ones that came out about, against the song. Okay. I mean, they were, yeah. they were nice in their kind of criticism, but uh-huh. it just seemed a little forced 
maybe forced or just well, like I don't even know if people really know who she is so maybe she's trying to get notoriety no shade no shade but the, again the library is open I don't really know her like that and maybe it's just because she's not my type of music but I'm also wondering like if this is coming from a place of people just trying to get attention to get attention it could be but I feel like like you wouldn't go after a Rita Ora song because they don't stop that be- I mean like <laughs> I I like Rita Ora. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like her singles aren't poised to be like, you know, the next number one. I mean, we can hope. She can hope. We can all hope. Her fans can hope. Mm-hmm. But they're not poised. It's not like, you know, when Beyonce does something, everyone has to say something about it because they know they're going to get attention when Beyonce, right. using Beyonce's name. So it could be about attention, but I just feel like it's not, you know, it's not the the sure thing to get attention. It's turned out that it has sparked a little bit of attention. At least we're talking about it. I think a bunch of other people are talking. There was a couple articles written about it that I saw. Um, and I think, I mean, there ha- there should also be a difference or like a, a different um, set of guidelines if we're talking about someone who does or is in the process of coming out as identifying as queer versus Katy Perry, who, to my knowledge, has never, I mean, maybe right. be like, I did kiss a girl and I was like, by curious, but that's one thing because mm-hmm. even their, their identity and like their presence in the music industry is also set up in a certain, different way than someone right. who is, um, coming out as bisexual, coming out as queer or, or, you know, I don't think she I don't think her her pandering, if that's what it was, or just like her expression is the same as like a Nick Jonas showing up to be like, hey, look at me. I'm going to dance at the queer club or the you know gay club this week because um, my new album's coming out. I want you all I want all you boys to buy it like it's very we know what you're doing, but I mean, right. everyone still yeah. falls for it too. So mm-hmm. I don't know. And I even, I don't, and again, I don't, I have not bought his album, but I, I have said on several occasions, that is a very fine gentleman. And so <laughs> I think it is one of those things where he's, you know, he's got my attention. He's got a whole bunch of other people's attention. And so, yeah, it's a thing, but I also think, and then maybe this might be another thought to kind of throw out there. And I'm thinking, you know, So thinking even about me, right? So I've been watching and I was actually, we're going to talk more about this a little bit later, but I was watching the television show, um, My House. And I've been thinking a lot about specifically, there's a particular drag queen that I'm going to leave nameless because I don't want people, again, thinking that I'm trying to be messy when I make this point, is that there's a particular drag queen who has utilized a lot of ballroom culture in her creating an image around herself. And she is a white what she's a she presents as a white cisgender queer drag queen right and so mm-hmm. overall I, I what where my point is is that a lot of folks in the black community have said specifically other drag queens have said you are appropriating you know the vernacular the the being of of you know the house culture all of this stuff and you're not really a part of it, so stop doing it. I'm thinking about, you, you know, that black queer people specifically being so protective 
of black vernacular and queer vernacular, black queer vernacular, because again, it's ours and it's the little that we have. And so I'm almost wondering if in this case, when we're getting back to like Rita Ora and the song and Kalani calling her out and saying, mm-hmm. you're appropriating, I don't want to say, I don't know if it's really a thing, right? You're appropriating bi culture, you're appropriating LGBTQ culture, or even you're pandering you're to pandering queer culture. To, yeah. I'm almost wondering if it's coming from a place of bi visibility of people being so... Um, not, I don't want to say cognitive because that's not the word I want to look, I, I want to use, but being hyper cognizant, oh. yeah, being cognizant, being very um, aware, hyper aware of what artists, specifically artists who have gotten to certain points in their career and then their career, quote unquote, hasn't taken off. And now they're going, okay, now I'm going to be queer because I see that it works for Janelle Monet, mm. and, or I see that it works for, you know, other artists who's coming out as queer. Now they're utilizing that to try to make sales or trying to make money off of their career. And so, um, I don't know Rita Ora personally. And again, I too like her music. Quite a few of her songs are on my playlist. I just kind of get to this place of where I'm wondering, you know, and I guess that's where it really comes down to for me is what are what are people's intentions, specifically artists, the labels that are behind them, no shade again to her, but I don't even know if she's really on a label now. But overall, like, <laughs> what <laughs> what is her full intent in releasing this song? Yeah. Specifically, now in a time where people are talking more openly about their sexuality in a way that they haven't done in years prior, but it being done from a way of a marketing standpoint versus it being, I'm going to speak my truth. Like I could see if she said, I'm going to put this statement out and say, Hey, I'm Rita Ora for the last two or three years. I've been hiding a truth to who I am. This song is a true representation of me and who I am and what I stand for. I hope you love this song. Versus it being, yeah. I'm gonna put this song out, and then when the backlash comes, I'll talk about it. Yeah, so. I mean that's all fair, and mm-hmm. I don't want this to sound like I'm like out here because it feels weird being like this huge Rita Ora supporter, which I'm not necessarily. I just think it's a really interesting way to talk about these things, and then it also opens up the space that yeah, okay, so she has been in relationships. Um, that were rumored and maybe now she's admitting that there were romantic relationships with women in her past. She's dated men and women. Does that mean she can't still pander to the queer community? Like can queer identified artists also pander to the queer community knowing a certain, um, a certain thing will, you know, cause there are queer artists that aren't always talking about identity or sex or sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, so does does focusing on a certain part of it also pander right well lady gaga did it uh, yeah that's true if you think about it if you really want to if we really want to get into that conversation there are are multiple artists who specifically have said i'm queer but i'm still going to pander to the lgbtq Mm. community because i know it's going to make me money true so i don't know yeah so like the identity doesn't mean you can't also pander i mean this is all capitalism's fault let's be real but true uh, (laughs) we can still kind of discuss it and tear Mm -hmm. it apart um Mm -hmm. i was gonna say something about oh because there are and there are more songs available there's more people in music there's always been queer people in music they've there's always been bisexual people in music they've you know singing about it or hinting at it or alluding to it all throughout the beginnings of music to now so it's nothing new but then when someone's queer identity becomes part of what how they're marketed 
it becomes a really kind of interesting cycle, capitalist cycle. Right. Where, you know, I'm thinking of that new song by, which I don't even, I don't even listen to him, but um, Troy someone, Savan, Savan. Oh, yeah. Um, the, the Bloom song? The Is Bloom it that the one song, you're thinking which about? Which everyone yeah. kind of like exploded about and was like, oh my God, it's a, it's an amazing queer sex um it's not bottom shaming it's like embracing like all of this stuff and i was like okay okay but (laughs) (laughs) like okay that's one thing but is that also a marketing strategy and a a, like a kind of way to pander yeah and that's the thing i I, i've gone back and I, i i struggle with this because i Loved the very first song. Um, I think Wild was the first time I was introduced to Troy. Mm. And I enjoy... I actually, again, if a song lands on a playlist of mine, that means I truly enjoy the song. Because mm. I'm going to want to listen to it again or I'm going to want to listen to it at a different time. If I usually will hear something and I listen to it, I'll go, Ugh, I'm good at not having that on my list. I'm, 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 It's whatever for me. But when he came out with the My, My, My song, I was like, okay, that's cute too. That's a little bop. And then I then I stepped back and then I said, okay, you know what? I see what his market his company is doing. That's what made me not go up for the Bloom song. I said, this is I know exactly. This is not him. This is again the capitalism. Mm. This is them seeing that white, specifically white gays, like the white gays love him. The queer community, quote unquote, and I say queer community from a very white lens. They are loving what he's doing, and he's able to do it because the community in the world allows white queer men specifically to be a little bit more free than anybody else in the community. So it became a thing for me of like, well, if I'm saying yes to this, then I'm ultimately. I'm doing a disservice to other people who have tried to do this in their career in different ways and got a ton of pushback for it. And so that's the reason why I think for me, I didn't really go up and be like, oh my God, this is a great anthem for queer people. Like even Hey Simon, like I got invited to the premiere of Hey Simon and I enjoyed the movie. But when people asked me what my honest opinion was about it, I said, they're exploiting the experience of a queer person when they come out. This is all an opportunity for a larger company, a larger company ran by cis hetero white men to make profit off of the experiences and the money of LGBTQ people, specifically mm. LGBTQ people of color who don't have any money in the first place. So I'm, I'm just, I'm looking at it from that, that perspective. And again, I don't want to talk over you, but I just, I struggle a lot with that word pandering because it's, it's real. And I think all artists do it, right? I think all artists do it, but when it's, when it's insidious, that's when I have a little bit of a problem with that. Yeah. And it's hard. I mean, now that we're talking about it this way, it really is just capital. Can you do, can you not? Like, so I guess now the question by the end of this is flipped back to can, can an artist not like, do you have, can you think of examples of even within, like, obviously all artists are trying to make money some more actively than others, some more like insidiously than others, but it's a business. So mm-hmm. it's the music industry a business. So even if the artist themselves isn't doing it um, completely intentionally, all the people that surround them are pushing them in certain ways in certain markets doing whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to think of artists that, you know, whether queer identified or not, Mm-hmm. kind of speak either from the community or as an ally or whatever in a mm-hmm. in a way that does seem sincere or honest yeah. Ooh, wait that's hard i actually have one that pops to my head first 
Go ahead. Um, Cindy Lauper. Oh, you know what? Yes, yes, I give you that. Yes, that's a really good example. She's never done a like, am I or am I not moment. <laughs> mm-hmm. She never played that up. She just has always said like. I feel kind of, I mean, I think there's actually a lot of similarities between Cindy Lauper. There's a lot of differences, but a lot of similarities between Janelle Monet and Cindy Lauper and kind of the outsider. Janelle Monet had the Android thing, Cindy Lauper with the punk hair and the weirdo kind of girl. Um, she was always the straight girl, but she was always very inclusive and found yeah. ways to embrace the LGBT community. Um either outright in lyrics or you know she has a whole fund true colors fund for lgbt homeless youth she wrote the kinky boots musical and she never and she always for me it always seems sincere like and honest she's never i agree she's never out there as like listen to me you must listen to me but she tells you why it's important and then she kind of does her thing, her musical thing, where it feels like the music she puts out is the music she wants to put out, not because someone's telling her she has to put that music out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's actually a really good, I think that's a really good analogy. And I think that that's something that I think for the listeners to take home and to learn, um, you know, and again, we're probably going to get more into this when we get into our, um, y- you know, when we get into the next segment. But I think it's Im- imperative for people to understand that when you say you're an ally or when you say you're an accomplice or when you say that you're really there to help a, a specific marginalized group, you have to really ask yourself, why are you doing this? And so I think the reason why I've always kind of stood for Cindy Lauper in that way is when she said, I recognize the draw that I have. I recognize the support I get from the LGBT, LGBTQ community. No, I'm going to do something with that. I'm going to start the True Colors Foundation. I'm going to open up a, a, a homeless center for, you know, or for, 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 you know, or a center for homeless youth in, in New York and take my money and the money that I'm being given and use that to help someone else. I, you know, and again, we can kind of give that, you know, I can kind of give that back to Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga did that, mm-hmm. you know, on several occasions with, you know, her, um, uh, uh, the Born This Way Foundation. And while there are still some folks who still say the Born This Way Foundation, you know, was a little problematic. I do believe that her heart was in the right place. And she said, I genuinely want to make sure that I I can give back and help. But I think about folks specifically, like even thinking about in the black community, there are artists, not even artists, but just people who have been in the community that have said, you know, the LGBTQ community is why I'm who I am. And so when you were talking about, you know, Cindy Lauper, it popped into mind for me, like Patti LaBelle, right? Like Mm. Patti LaBelle was a has been and continues to be kind of the the keeper of secrets when it comes to the lgbtq community because she knows how hard it is for black men specifically to come out and so thinking about how much help she was to luther vandross and how many other queer you know icons in the black community have said you know patty labelle was the person who called me and gathered me and got me together to come out I think about it from that perspective too. Patti LaBelle doesn't go around and say, hey, I'm, you know, I I wear the crown as the (laughs) queen of the, you know, the ally commission, right? Like she helps the LGBTQ community in her own way. And she says, I do what I need to do and I'm going to go home. And I think that that's a very imperative thing that we, we should take from this conversation when we start talking about pandering. Are you genuinely, and that's like I said, going back to what I said in the last episode, 
are you genuinely there to help in the way that Cindy Lauper is is saying she's helping or Patty LaBelle was helping folks with their emotional capacity or are you just taking our money and saying you're a part of our community and you're wanting to help our community only because our community is helping pay you and mm-hmm. so I think that that's the thing like even thinking about too like artists that are identify as straight or straight passing that were at DragCon you know there were certain artists that I walked past their booth and I'm going like why are you here? Like, you know, not like not in a mean way, but right. it's like, why are you really here? Like, I understand you have to make money and you got bills to pay too, but like, I don't ever see you at anywhere else other than DragCon where you're actively taking money from people to take to get pictures. So what else are you doing when you leave the LA Convention Center that's going to help me and my community grow? So that's kind of where right. I'm at. And you can, you could, you could put this all on like pride events for june you know or whatever yes. month people are doing it and and yes. and not just not just artists and, and but businesses like hey budweiser we get that you have a rainbow label on your beer and you know that everybody's going to want to have i mean not everyone some people don't drink some people whatever but you know if you sponsor la pride new york city pride with your beer that you're going to make People a shit ton it. of money because it's also yep. upcharged. It's also, you know, because it's the only one you and can And watered down. And watered down. Mm-hmm. And, or like whatever, you know, you go to a, a Pride event and as I've gone over the years and kind of, they were always, by the time I was going to Pride events, they were already kind of pretty corporate depending on where you went. But right. to see them get even more so over the years, it's like now you go and it's just booths of get a home mortgage from us like okay but what <laughs> like, what i don't that's yeah i get it gay people need to buy a house too but why are you here why are you <laughs> like, here is it yeah i don't know like maybe you have one lgbt realtor at your place and so you're at the pride event and i don't want to i don't want to be too harsh and say like nobody come but I guess pride events to me shouldn't even be about all of those businesses. It should just be a way to have fun. Um, and- yeah. And there have been several articles that have been written about that same exact thing that you just said. And I think about, and specifically LA pride coming up, um, that has been what a lot of folks are fighting back against with mm-hmm. LA pride. A lot of po- folks are saying these big businesses have come in here and have pushed out, you know, kind of what pride has initially, like it, it's changed what pride is supposed to be, but I I'm going to shout out like, or not necessarily shout out, but I'm going to call out like Netflix, like Netflix last year in June, they rainbowed up the Netflix Mm. sign and everybody was like, Oh, Netflix is so LGBTQ friendly. And I'm going, but why is it that you don't have any like LGBTQ, you know, like original comedies on your like everything else you're you're picking up all these original comedies that are being you know promoted by netflix but you've yet to pick up one with a very strong lgbtq following right like you have the movies on there that people are paying for but what else and that's what i, I get i keep coming back to that but what else yeah mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. else you, like show prove that you <laughs> prove that you deserve the money rather than mm-hmm. with your actions which actually which goes for anything really like we talk about apologies and people getting called out and things like that like prove you deserve it the the action itself doesn't matter to me like the fact that you show up at pride to sell beer doesn't matter to me show me yeah what why i should give you my money on based on all the things you do every other day of the year right Um, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't just show up, show up. And I think that that's for all of our listeners. I think that that's the most imperative thing that I want folks to take away from this episode. And, and again, kind of moving in and, and in a moment, we'll go ahead and move into the next segment. Mm-hmm. But I'm just thinking it's a, it's really important to understand that we're not telling you not to listen to Rita or a song. We're not telling you to, you know, to dump Lady Gaga. We're not telling you not to go to Pride. What we are, what I'm ultimately, and I'm hoping, Kevin, that you could share the same sentiment with for, with, for everyone is to start thinking, you know, even thinking about it from not even just an LGBTQ lens, but these companies that say, you know, specifically like even McDonald's, like I've side-eyed McDonald's a couple of times because you put out all these commercials saying that you support and you love your black customers, but Mm. I've not heard you say anything about protecting or keeping black people safe in a very strong police state, right? Like in a state where black people are being so policed, where there have been companies that have, have actively said, we are happy to risk losing customers by speaking up and advocating for the people that buy our stuff, right? Yeah. So I'm I'm thinking about it from that perspective of like to be very cognitive about where you're putting your money and where these companies and where these artists and where these actors or actresses are really showing up for you in your life and your work and your existence. And so, you know, I, I, I just genuinely hope that folks kind of take that piece away from us in this conversation of being more critical about what they listen to, what mm-hmm. they watch and where they're putting their money because as much as these companies say they care about us, they're not really in the business of protecting us. They're in the business of being in business. So yeah. that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, so. and my last bit to add to that would just be and you know, be more critical of what you're listening to, where you're spending your money, all of that that you just said, but also be more critical of the thing you're listening to. Like the yeah. thing itself as, you know, like here's my teacher wag my finger kind of thing at you <laughs> but go back to the so if you want to have a conversation about the Rita Ora song go back to the song's lyrics if, if there was a video you could go to the video and we could have a conversation about what images is she giving that either support or or pander or or you know are actually funneled through a straight gaze or male gaze whatever but go to the lyrics and prove it prove like don't just don't just fire off these outrage tweets without like going back. So you see what someone says. I, I saw the, the tweets before I'd heard the song. So that's when I went back and I saw the thing about, you know, it's rude. I don't have to drink to, to kiss girls like that. That feels harmful to me. And I went and listened to the song and I said, I don't where in this song is she actually saying that she needs to drink to. I don't know. We just need especially today where like everything is fake news there's no more facts nothing matters <laughs> it's just all like <laughs> nothing matters whatever like mm-hmm. even if something as silly and simple as as a Rita Ora song <laughs> right go back to the source and just mm-hmm. cite and if you find it then let's talk about the actual lyric but to me that lyric there's it, it's an interpretation based on your own feeling but it's not an interpretation right. that exists in the song yeah um, and that's mm-hmm. like i mean that's what i say about pop culture in general like go to the text it is a text right. just like a book right. so and and don't make assumptions either because yeah. i mean as i'm thinking about all the songs that i love by her she's never explicitly said that those songs were about men so that's also something else right. to keep in mind like in the songs if, if, if i'm thinking about the lyrics because i pretty much know a lot of her songs 
the only song that she's actually ever done with another man was with Chris Brown. And even in that song, it could have still been very left. Right. Which I is know, its I own problem. Face, but... Right. Which is its own <laughs> issue. But that was a couple of years ago. So right. we're going to go ahead and give her a pass. <laughs> but I'm just thinking, oh, God, talk about how terrible this world is. But thinking about that, right, like I, I think people automatically assume and go to this heteronormative place with singers and artists and i think we need to really get to a place where we are allowing artists as much as we allow ourselves and we allow the people that we love to be free and open to talk about who they are Mm -hmm. we need to start giving artists that same opportunity but like i said i don't mind and this goes for all artists not just not just rita ora not just lady gaga not just whitney houston who any artist that's alive or dead my thing became you know asking the question did they genuinely care about me enough to make music for me because they cared about me or did they they only make music for me because they knew I was going to buy it. And mm. that's all they cared about was my money. And so I'm just kind of at a place now where I'm looking at people and I'm going, I'm not giving you no more of my money because I don't trust you. Um, and I think that that's important. So, and also question right. your own okay. question, mm-hmm. your own impulse, because if there's no evidence in, like you're saying with, if, if the other songs, there's no like specifically gendered partner in the lyrics, right? you're making an assumption based on, and, and it's not a bad thing. It's not a good or bad thing. We've all internalized heteronormativity and all of these uh, terrible systems and capitalism itself. But I think when you make that assumption and and you don't have the text to back it up, then yeah. you're, you're also saying a lot more about all the lenses we've internalized versus the artist that you're talking or the song that you're talking about. So that's mm-hmm. another way to flip the conversation. But we're going to m- move on to our next segment before that we... Is, yes. <laughs> before this gets too long because I do feel like we could talk about this for a long time and um, I think that this is a really good conversation to have with not only just you know not only just on this podcast but I think for folks to start thinking about in the back of their head like your money and your your even your emotional capacity of what you put into mm. these artists you know what are what does it truly say about you and who you are and things and so I think you bring up a really good point Kevin so we're going to move into, we're going to move out of the syllabus topic into our next session, which is our office hours. And we got a question. Woo-hoo. Question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> first so question. I, first office yeah, hour. Yeah. First... <laughs> right. This is so cool. So did you want to read it? Oh, sure. I mean, it actually yeah. kind of, <laughs> we've already kind of addressed it, but um, yeah, we got a question from a listener, Kate who wanted to talk about allies, the concept of allies, as kind of a, a cis female white heterosexual person um, that's trying to do better, become aware of, and becoming more aware of privileges. Um, she says she wants to help foster necessary change, but doesn't want to pander, she uses our word even, um, or, yeah. or displace those whose voices need to be heard more than hers. So what ses- mm-hmm. suggestions do we have or like homework to give about um, what people can do. It doesn't have to be just like white cis, but if you're not of the group, you want to, um, what's even the word you want to be allied with that you want to help support in whatever way, what are some good, what's a good strategy? Okay. So I I had gone back and forth for free. I've read this maybe two or three times. And I think the number one thing that kind of came across for me when I saw this question was, 
for specifically for folks who are not marginalized, how much time are they really taking to listen to those who mm-hmm. are? And so I think that that's like my number, like my biggest piece of advice for anybody who's asking this question, like, how do I become a better, you know, quote unquote ally? And I've been, I've been saying a lot in these last few months to stop using the word ally and start using the word accomplice because yeah. even thinking about, you know, we kind of laughed and kikied over this over text last night. I had said, you know, stop calling the police. Like that's, you know, that's an easy, an easy thing. Well, apparently it's right. not that easy for a lot of people, but <laughs> right, it's an it's easy not. thing to start with. Like don't right, call like, the police just because you feel a little uncomfortable. Right. That's a way of being an accomplice for someone. It's because you've listened, you've read and you've listened and you've heard the narratives of those who are affected by folks who are, who are, being hurt, you know, mm-hmm. whether it be a actual hurt, you know, Sandra Bland kind of hurt and, and, you know, in terms of murder or being hurt in terms of, you know, what transpired at the Starbucks or what just transpired at the park, you know, up in, in, in San Francisco, listening to how that has an effect on people. I think for me, that's the first way of being an accomplice. But when you, when I say listening, it's not listening to respond. And I think non-privileged people even me right as a as a cis man will sometimes get in spaces with black women and i'll hear black women make comments and i want to rebuttal it Mm. um or i'll hear even white women right i've been in spaces with white women and they've said men do this and i go oh well not all men and i'm wanting to rebuttal what they're saying instead of truly listening to the content of what they're saying and understanding the pain that's behind what they're talking about. And so I think for me, where I come from in this place of, right, like, you know, what can someone do to be a quote unquote better ally, even though I would like to change the word to a better accomplice, I would challenge that we really need to start from a place of privilege, understanding what it means to be able to hear these narratives, what it means to know that these narratives will never affect us, and what are we actively doing to engage other people, not only just in the conversation around said issue, but getting people to stop in action in relation to what you've heard. So again, mm-hmm. men, stop rebuttaling. Uh, you know, black men, stop trying to come up with a a, a word or a, a, a sentence or a statement that's going to rebuttal a black woman's experience. Um, and you know, or or even for cis queer people, stop trying to you know overshadow the anger of a trans woman by ultimately saying that's your experience and you can't say that for the whole community. No, if a trans woman is saying something, let her talk, give her the space, step back and ask yourself, what can you do to help her feel a little bit more safe in this world? So that's my take on it. What's your take, Kevin? Yeah. um, Listen is always the first thing. I mean, well, I would say even before listen is just read like Mm -hmm. (laughs) because then you can even fight your impulses more of of rebuttal you because you, you're not in a place where first of all the not all response is always bad it, <laughs> there's never there's never a case where the not all men not all fill in the blank um does any good is is productive right. in any way um mm-hmm. so if you're not all like if you're the not all person that you, you want to say it it's fine don't they're not talking about you then (laughs) and to to say not all so if it's me not all men or not all white people um is is putting you back at the center so if you know inside yourself that you are not doing what they say then what why do you have to say anything about it 
I mean, that's a, it, I'm saying it like it's so simple. It's not simple at all. It's hard because we all have egos. We all want to be heard and we all want to, um, what, what's your impulse for saying not me? Well, I'm not doing that. So do you want a reward? Do you want to feel good about it? Do you want a pat on the back? Do you want congratulations? Because you don't deserve any of those things for just being a decent person. Um so that's one thing that's really hard. And I mean, I fight with it all the time. Still, you were saying how you do as well. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't ever go away. <laughs> right. But every time you get the impulse to say, well, not me, I don't do that. Think about it. Think about where the impulse comes from and think about redirecting it in a different way. Like you can tell someone that you do see doing what they're saying, or you can call out someone else for doing the not all blah, blah, right. blah, instead of having to, the initial person that made a statement have to do extra work. Um, I always, I'm like, like you, I'm over the word allies. I don't even like any of the terms. Like I don't even like accomplice anymore even either. That's fine. Because I feel like when you start to call it a certain word, it becomes part of your identity. And once it becomes like you're trying to identify yourself as something, it again becomes about you. Instead of just Um, doing it. Just doing it. So I like to think, and I, when I, when I teach stuff like feminism or any kind of politics i'm i even with the word feminist i don't some say like there are no male feminists whatever i have a kind of different take on it based on what i've read but i don't think feminine i don't think the identity is the right way to go i i think and bell hooks says this like advocate a feminist politics versus saying i am a feminist so advocate for others rather than saying i am an ally because right. when you say I am an ally, you're still wanting something. You Yeah, you're sitting on the other side of it. You're getting something from that identity. Mm-hmm. And it's not that you can't feel good about yourself for doing the right thing, but um, it shouldn't be on other people to kind of clap for you for doing the yeah. right thing. So if you can shift your thinking to the action part rather than the me part, not me, I'm not doing this, or I am an ally... Um, and I'm, I'm not like calling people out for using the word because there's it's hard in our language. We don't really have ways to talk about this. Um, but for me, what's been the most helpful is to stop thinking about it as an identity and stop like, how how do I be an ally? Well, you need to change the question first because it means mm-hmm. you're trying to make yourself into something rather than for for the goal of the identity rather than the actions. To really help lift the people. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, and that's the thing, I think even, you know, coming down to like, I go back and forth with this word, like wanting to call myself an activist because it's Mm. like, I don't, I I should not have to walk into a space and say, I'm an activist for people to respect me and respect the work that I do. Like, I'm just out here doing it. I'm writing the articles. I'm showing up at the events. I'm connecting with the right people, like I to, to, to undo things, you know, I'm paying, you know, like even yesterday, right? Like I saw the tweet about, you know, folks saying for Mother's Day, give money to this place because they need the money. So I sent over a couple of dollars. I had it, so I sent it. You know, I don't need to tell you every five minutes that I'm doing activist work, I just show up. And I think that that's a really good point about it. When you come back to this idea, too about the listening piece right 
really thinking about too in spaces how do you show up in certain spaces mm-hmm. so in queer spaces and black spaces and women's spaces and trans spaces like in any space where you are the privileged person how are you showing up in a way that is not further marginalizing the person who needs the help and i think that that's something that i've constantly gone back back and forth with specifically white people about because they go you know sometimes i've had women come up to me and they're in tears and they're upset and they're crying you know so-and-so hurt my feelings when this happened and I'm going, but you posited yourself in that space as being the bigger, better person, the savior, and people read you for it and you you got your feelings hurt. So that that's not, I can't fix that. Like when you go into a space, I've even been in spaces before where I've looked at women and I've said, do I not need to be in this space? Because I want to make sure that y'all got the free reigns to do whatever you want to do. And some of them have said, yeah, you got to go. And I'm like, cool, bye. <laughs> or sometimes women will say, no, you're cool. You know, this conversation includes men and we want to have your take on it, specifically being a queer man. I'm sure you can you can appreciate and you can you know really understand some of the stuff we're talking about i'm like okay cool but i really do believe that i think you know from your com- from your piece my piece and and this overall piece i think it's it's the most important thing to know is to listen to be to just do the work and to realize how you show up in said work around whatever issue you're wanting to advocate for but i agree wholeheartedly i think reading is going to be your best bet um so you know okay best of luck to you girl and i i mean if there's other things that you know you want to ask feel free to send us a quick message we're both on social media but overall my my hope is that you you've taken away that um it's the responsibility of being able of needing to learn um in all facets right listen learn advocate move do work uh for you to be able to really truly do the work that you're wanting to do so um All right, so we are running, we're running so close to time, wanting to go to our next segment. Um, We are now in the recess section. So what is on your mind, Kevin? Well, I've already, I mean, I've already been complaining. I feel like (laughs) the whole episode about different things. You are fine. But I know that you, um, Mm -hmm. right, one thing we haven't touched on yet that was kind of a big cultural moment that has happened over the past two weeks since our first episode is Mm -hmm. Donald Glover's This Is America video came out and I know you have (laughs) I know you have some feelings some thoughts about it what did you think what did you think of the song the video both together whatever yeah so and I kind of caught some heat for this I posted on Facebook the other day um I uh, so first off I don't know enough about like in in a very Mariah Carey kind of way I don't know her I don't know Donald Glover enough to be like I'm gonna read him so I don't you know and I know people have made comments about stuff he has said and he has done in his comedy and all these other things that have come up and so it's like I don't follow him enough to be able to say like throw throw you know throw the whole dick away like i don't there's not enough for me to be able to say that and so i think for me in this case where i kind of stand is that i have a love-hate relationship with what he did in relation to this art i understand it is art i understand it is representation and i understand that um the only way that some people can really, so I've been thinking about going back to like Motown, right? Thinking about um, the person who's saying Mercy Me. I forget what his name is off the top Mercy of my me. head. Oh, Marvin Gaye. Marvin Gaye, right? How he utilized Marvin Gaye. We had, um, uh, what's her name? Um, I could, she, what is it? Not Strange Fruit, the one who Bi- sang Strange Fruit. Billie Holiday first. Billie yeah. Holiday. Like all of these people were utilizing mm. their music as a way to 
you to basically push activism. So I want to kind of put that out there first, but I guess where I, where I am struggling with this, I love the idea of using art as activism, but where my heart, where I'm kind of falling apart and where I'm kind of just like, nah, sis, is this idea of constantly using black pain to tell the story of injustice or to talk about the injustice. It's like, yeah, we have to talk about the struggle, but when does, when do we stop talking about the struggle? Like, when do we start using our art for something better? When do we start using our art as a way to not, I mean, cause again, specifically thinking about, and again, if nobody has seen the video, I don't, you know, I, I, I there, is, there are a lot. I, and I wish at the beginning, that's the other thing I think that really bugged me was that there was no trigger warning on this, uh -huh. on this video. Like there was no kind of like, be careful because you're going to get your feelings hurt or this might cause a reaction. So the fact that there was no trigger warning kind of read me away, but I, I genuinely just kind of go back to this place of, being frustrated that he, like other artists, have used the pain of Black people to kind of tell a story. And yes, the pain is there, but I'm just going like, girl, what else? Like, what else can we say and what can we do to really change the way we talk about this? Because Black people are in mourning and we're hurting. And like, I think that's been a big part of even for me. Like, you know, I, I recognize every week that I, you know, or every other week when I jump on this podcast with you, Kevin, you know, I'm a Black queer man navigating a world that has systematically told me in every single facet I'm not supposed to be here. And I'm having to navigate that I'm going into other spaces and I'm trying to create visibility for both me, you, all the other people in the LGBTQ community. And it gets hard sometimes to constantly keep seeing videos and articles and have conversations with my white, the white friends and family that I love around the stuff that keeps hurting me. And so I think that that's just kind of where I'm at with it, where it's like, Donald, like, I hear you. I get it. And I respect what you're doing. But sis, like, when is enough enough? Like, I'm just tired of constantly having to relive the constant reminder that everywhere I look is death. Literally. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah. just kind of where I'm at with where I'm at in this moment, you know, with recess. Yeah, no, I mean, that's so I, I know the the kind of reactions have been so divided along mm -hmm. that what you've just said some people saying it was so necessary and timely i guess like uh, you know and and it is it, it's both really but it's it, but necessary for who yeah ne necessary i mean yeah you're right who's the who who does it change or who does it kind of shock or who right because it has to be about shock like mm -hmm. if you haven't seen the video it has to be about shocking people yeah um and who needs to be shocked? And are they the people that will be watching a Donald Glover video anyway? Um, you know, people always have these conversations about actual video, too, of, of violence. Um, right. Like posting it on Twitter or Facebook and it starts automatically playing on your timeline. Um, who Who is that for? Why? Mm -hmm. And some people say, well, we have to, we have to reflect it because it's reality. But... Is there a way to still have conversations about it? Because we all know it's reality. Well, not actually, we don't all know that it's reality. Um, <laughs> the people that it's affecting know that it's reality, but right. other people don't know that it's reality. Um, yeah. But again, like how how do you make the piece of art that reaches the people that aren't recognizing the reality, mm -hmm. rather than just re-traumatizing people that already 
Alrighty. That's Get it. such a yes, you know Kevin, what? That actually, is such a great way of framing it. <laughs> actually, that's why, and I know she has her problems too. But you know, I always come back to Beyonce. Um, <laughs> in some ways, that's what she's been doing by going into these white spaces and making art um, with her performances, right? Um, mm-hmm. The Super Bowl, the Country Music Awards, Coachella, and just showing up so black (laughs) yeah and the performances themselves aren't really about violence um people have talked about the formation video as kind of being triggering in some ways about hurricane katrina and all that Uh um but it's less it's less physically violent than say Mm -hmm. donald glover's video um but how do you but you then do you have to be at the beyonce level to be able to get into those spaces or or have your work put out on that level that it reaches the people um like so it's what again it's capitalism i don't it is it is and they always go i think it's gonna always come back to that and i think the way that this film the the way the video was filmed the way that the story was told in the video the fact that SZA was in the video dancing on a car like all of it comes back to the visibility piece right Mm. we're going to take someone who is very visible you know, AKA SZA, AKA Donald Glover or Childish Gambino, however he identifies himself, you know, on the day and and really kind of create this space of, you know, kind of a shock value piece to get people to talk about it. And that's just kind of where I'm at. Like, I'm just really tired of people profiting off of my pain. And I think that that's where this, you know, this gripe comes from this week. Right. And I, I, I don't want to turn this into a a ultimate bitch sesh because I, that's not what I want this to be. I'm just, I'm again, wanting to go back to this, you know, what I said earlier in the show of we need to be, we, we've got to learn, like, I guess that's kind of where I'm at moving more towards too, to like, even these last maybe two or three days, I haven't really posted on social media. Like I've been kind of checking in and being like, Hey, I'm here at this event and you know, everybody liked my pictures and it's cute. But what I'm really been really trying to do is trying to like move away from engaging. Cause I've had people tag me and stuff and really move away from engaging these conversations because I just know emotionally and mentally I am exhausted and I need to take care of myself. And so I guess when it all comes back to it, right? Donald Glover puts out this video. He gets all of these clicks. He gets all of this, you know, all of the claps and the accolades from people around him. And he gets to take home a big check, right? Whereas for me, I get to click on this video, watch this, and now I'm triggered or I'm emotionally Mm. taxed by it. And I'm still, not only am I broke financially, but I'm also broke emotionally. So like, that's kind of where I'm at. Like in terms of like people capitalizing off of my pain, I'm just over it. Like, I'm just really over this this society taking what's happening to black people, what's happening to queer people, what's happening to trans people, profiting off of it, and then just kind of leaving us out in the cold and just being like, oh, if you like it, great. And if you don't, you know, oh, well, it's just, it's it's exhausting. It's just exhausting. So I, I think my whole piece today with this, you know, my rant and me going off is saying, I, I understand why Donald Glover, why Donald, literally, I can't even talk, why Donald Glover did what he did. He is using his art to make a statement, but I am also at a place where I don't have to receive his art as a person who is mentally and physically exhausted when it comes to the plight that I have as a black man first and then a black queer man second and all the other things that come along with my identity. So, yeah, and... 
I mean, things could have been different. You mentioned like older music and Marvin Gaye or Billie Holiday, um, right? Things are so different now with social media. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't even have to be on social media at the time, and people are tagging you in to have conversations, like you said. Um, like, oh, wrestling. what's your idea mm-hmm. on this? Like, I don't Every want day. so you, we can't even engage mm-hmm. in ways that we even when trying to protect yourself like you can't engage other than just kind of deleting everything and not being on some social media it's just turned (laughs) i guess my rant can just be about social media itself (laughs) because i've been having it like i've been going back and forth for so long like we can't yeah the the work both of us do um even with this podcast like how we get it out to people without social media how do you get people to listen how do you get your promote your freelance articles how do you get your promote your speaking gigs we can't do it without social media until you're at a certain level but once you're at that level like you can delete everything and it doesn't matter but until you get there and it's very hard to get there to that level right um what do you do because it's it's created a world where even if you want to disengage with a piece of art you can't um Mm -hmm. it's on your timeline no matter what or or a piece of news even it's i mean we're talking about pop culture um a piece of news a piece of whatever you can't get away from it it's always in front of your face even if you're off twitter and then you get on and someone's tagged you a thousand times trying to have a conversation about something or yep. you know i just use twitter to kind of be a smart ass and say funny things sometimes hopefully funny mm-hmm. things sometimes <laughs> um and yeah i make like critiques of certain stuff i said something about taylor swift and um earlier this week and i said something about amy schumer hosting saturday night live so make sure not to watch like just a stupid <laughs> little comment because and and the waves of mm-hmm. i mean Side note: I, I obviously know that I don't get the the largest share of online harassment. Women, black women, women of color, um, are getting just enormous amounts of this all the time. But just right. from just from a snide comment about Amy Schumer, I'm like bombarded in waves with, "Oh my God, you hate women!" First of all, that's not at all why I actually, you know, like this wasn't like a. a I, I got you hate women you're you're um threatened by fem- sexist yeah well threatened yeah. by female comedians which like uh-huh. all you'd have to do is take five seconds to look at my timeline to know that i'm not against all women and <laughs> i'm not out here putting all women down i'm putting down certain white women who i think are actually harming <laughs> greater mm-hmm. or or the things they're doing represent greater evils but um mm-hmm whatever and then on top of that you also get this crossover with people supporting it like like trump supporters no were like yeah amy schumer's so stupid thank you for pointing it out i'm like okay that was not like again it takes two seconds to look at my profile and know that i'm not in any way gonna do a high five with the trump supporter over the fact that we neither of us likes amy schumer for very different reasons and so it's just social media has gotten us to a place where nobody takes even two seconds to look deeper into it. Like you were saying, you know, you don't know anything about Donald Glover. You can't speak to his whole career and you acknowledge that. But you can speak to this very one piece of art that you've seen and how it affects you. Um, mm-hmm. But nobody does. Nobody. <laughs> 
makes those draws those limits we just fire off a tweet we say something right we don't know anything about the person we're saying it to and i'm i'm guilty Mm -hmm. of this sometimes too i try very hard not to do it but sometimes i do but like the amount of stuff if you look at any prominent person on twitter um especially women especially black women and look in their mentions just to see the things Right. That people yeah. feel comfortable saying to other saying, human oh beings. Oh my God, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I got, I don't care because it's like Taylor Swift fans, but like the idea that 15 year old kids are yelling at me, like, get a job. You don't have a job. You haven't even graduated from college. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I teach college, <laughs> but you don't have two seconds to learn that. You're just like, we don't know how yeah. to interact. We don't know how to have yeah. conversations anymore. Well, no, but. The high, well, and that's the thing I think overall, like I think with social media as a whole, it has created a wave of people being able to just kind of go off and say whatever they want. And I think that that's when it comes to like being responsible. And I've learned that, you know, people would say, okay, well, you got fired for not being responsible <laughs> with your tweets, right? Someone could say that. But I would also go back and say, no, I got fired because I spoke my truth and I said something that affected me as a black queer man and white people responded to it in the way that they did so let's have a conversation about that on a different day but I think my bigger thing becomes I'm not out here I could see if and that's what I tell people all the time I could see if I got fired because I tweeted someone go kill yourself right or you're ugly and you suck and you're stupid and you should die like those are things that I see other people tell me that they're getting or that they're getting inboxed and I and it it bugs me like I even think about my friend you know just recently and I don't want to really call her my friend but it's someone that I interact with a lot on um on twitter you know and her her name is sailor j like the stuff i see her retweeting that people retweet her the stuff i see people tweet reign of april the stuff Mm. that i see people say to reign of april it baffles me like i'm like where like in in any god's war like in in any god i don't care if it's god if it's buddha jehovah who like on whose earth is that okay to say that right like where is it okay to say or do that and so i just i think about that a lot like how social media has just opened up a floodgate for terrible sad emotionally inept people to say and do things that are not only hurtful but just downright mean to people so you know, I, I, I will say this and step back. I, I just, I'm I'm okay for now with kind of taking, I'll still use social media. I will still get on Twitter and Kiki and I'll still get on like Facebook and Instagram and, you know, but I'm, if you, I'm going to say this to the people who listen and follow us. If you tag me in something that is going to call, I'm not doing it. I'm done. Yeah. Nope. Mm-mm. Not yeah. I set the cat. I'm good. And it's not just the input, like, it, it's validated the impulse to say all these things, these horrible things mm-hmm. to people without like even a shred of, well, back to the fake news thing, a shred of evidence or, or a context or mm-hmm. a, a sense of history to anything. Yeah. But also it's, it, it's created that they're like a false demand that they must be heard and you must yeah. listen to them and you must hear them. I have someone going for like the fourth day straight demanding an answer about something about Taylor Swift that I don't give a shit about. Um, <laughs> block them. Right. And I just see it because then you, yeah. then, then when you block someone, they do mm-hmm. a little kiki about, Oh my God, I got blocked. Guess he couldn't take the truth. Like, okay. Right. 
Really? Uh, your yeah. your little truth about Taylor Swift's sale tour sales is too Who much. Who is for she me? anyway? I can't. Who is she anyway? <laughs> like I'm trying Who to have she? a conversation on a different level about her mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. the and yeah, I know I phrase like you're saying, people could say the same thing about me getting fired from whatever because I run my mouth on Twitter, but it's <laughs> but it's never but no, I got I got fired because a lot of people had a real big problem with what I was running my mouth about and criticizing. Right. And they then took to Twitter and to all these other avenues to demand that I mm-hmm. not be in the job that I had. Right, 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 right. Whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's so just it's that's a, all water under the bridge anyway. So it's a thing. Mm-hmm. This whole thing, and it, and it's related to the pop culture because it's right or, or like the Donald Glover video because it's impossible not to see it now, and it's impossible not to be in the middle of the debate. But again, people aren't really having the same kind of conversation we could have about it. Say in a classroom, if you had an hour and twenty minutes and people got together around the video to talk you can't have those conversations on Twitter. They just don't work because mm-hmm. it's all just mm-hmm. like shouting back and forth. Right. So mm-hmm. who knows yeah. where we go from here. Yeah. It's and again, it's all a cesspool of trash anyway. So <laughs> that's just really what it comes down to social media. So, and so hopeful just this week. So. It's just, it's, it's, and it, it, there, there are going to be weeks where me and you both right. are on this wave of joy and there's so many good things <laughs> that come out. Get, and then there are weeks like this week where we're just like, everything sucks. Sorry, everything sorry, listeners. We're, yeah, sorry, <laughs> listeners. But it so, is. So get with it. Mm, yeah. Um, so again, some days are good and some are not. But moving on. Yeah. Our last, mm-hmm. we've got our last little bibliography. You want to, you want to throw out, um, this like is, this is like a little positive things we like. <laughs> definitely. Yes. Yeah, so definitely. Yes. Yeah. So my uh, take this week, I know um, every week, you know, in the bibliography, we try to shout out um, LGBTQ content that is ultimately amplifying or uplifting the community. And in the midst of all the bad news that <laughs> we have had in the last couple of weeks, a friend of mine sent me a clip and was like, Hey girl, are you watching this show? on vice and i was like what show um because i i honestly try to keep my show watching to a limit with how much i write and how much i'm gone i just don't really like getting so emotionally attached to television because ultimately it makes it very difficult for me to catch up once right. i'm finally home etc so um when they told me it's a show called my house and i don't know all of the uh it, it's kind of shot in a very like documentary slash um reality television show kind of way but it really focuses on uh the experiences of queer folks in the new york area specifically brooklyn that are in the houses that are still present in terms of like you know um uh, uh, the, the the scene of houses for um vogers like vogue yeah like so yeah, ballroom. That's what I was looking for. Thank you. So I'm really excited to kind of promote this here. I'll probably, I'm going to look to probably do something with it um, in an article or, in the, uh, you know, on my website. I don't know. But I'm just really excited to see they're telling a very, a lot of what's happening in 
the middle part, uh, I would say, because there's only three episodes that have come out. So what's happening and positing in one of the storylines, they've centered a trans black woman as the storyline. And I just think it's very, very cool to see that they have actively taken the the time and, their, and the grace to center how hard it is to be a trans woman of color, but ultimately showing her living her best life as someone who's winning all of these voguing competitions and have all of these girls kind of nervous and scared around her so kudos to vice um i don't watch a lot of shows that are on vice but i do know that they do a lot of exposés on things we need to be aware about and for them to center this television show and the storyline around the the artist i i love it and i'm very very happy for it so it so it is a reality show or it's fictional it's no, no it's it is a reality, a reality show okay i didn't know if it's you, a reality you show said it was shot like that i didn't know if it was like because they're, no, they're yeah, also it's... coming out with that um new ryan murphy show that's like a fictional version of so that that's kind pose of yeah yeah pose. that comes out and i know shout out to angelica right. ross my girl and janet mock um, behind janet mock so Mm -hmm. so um yeah that that one's more of a fictional yeah. but this show uh, my house is an actual okay. it's a reality show but it's shot from like a reality show slash documentary type style Got it. and it follows i think i would say i would say about five to six different people there are four main stars of the show but there are two other ones who kind of pop in and out that play a role in all of the storyline um and it's what i love about it i'll say all of this before i before we end the show um the one thing i truly love about this show us that they're not positing it from a place of poor black queer kids living in New York, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, poor them. They need help. Help them. They're using voguing and as, you know, to, to be happy. No, they're saying we're living our best life and we're having a really good time in this life and voguing is a part of why we love our lives so much. And so for me, that just, it makes me want to watch every week because it's like, finally, I get a television show that's centering on the resilience of queer black people, queer brown people, um, and them utilizing voguing and the houses around voguing to you know kind of add to the content in their life so it just it's a really really good show hmm. that's cool i'll have mm -hmm. to check it out i haven't i hadn't even heard about that i don't know if i even oh, yeah. get that channel so maybe that's why yeah. i haven't heard of it um yeah i think you can watch it online too so okay. if you for for listeners who don't have cable um you might be if you do have internet access i would say go ahead and just go online and look i think the episodes are on demand so if you have like a, a phone or if you have a tablet you can probably download the vice app and be able to watch the episodes online cool um yeah. i wanted to throw one thing out onto the bibliography too um, um for all you readers out there or book lovers um Darno Moore's new memoir, well, new book, um, his first book, is coming out on the 29th of this month, May. It's called No Ashes in the Fire, Coming of Age, Black and Free in America. And wow. it is amazing. Mm -hmm. I was lucky enough, I got to write like a little review for Into. Um, kind of, like I kind of focused on, it's about so many things, but I kind of focused on the way he uses this um it, a lot of tragedy in his life but kind of spins it in really resilient beautiful like breathtaking ways about how we can become together with people um right and so i kind of focused on no ashes in the fire as which comes from this moment in his in his childhood where some kids threw gasoline on him um because mm -hmm. he was because he presented as gay queer whatever right um, mm. He didn't. He wasn't out at the time, or didn't know um, what, whatever. He wasn't out at the time, 
and um like obviously fortunately nothing happened it didn't go any further than that the matches wouldn't light or whatever so there's no ashes in the fire is this whole theme that it goes around so i kind of wrote about how it's like a retelling of the phoenix mythology like phoenix rising from the ashes um Mm -hmm. through a new kind of queer perspective um that there's no there's there's no fire and there's no phoenix it was just who you were all along that was enough mm-hmm. kind of thing mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. it's just an, a really really beautiful book um i read a lot and i don't come across books that i love this much very often yeah. <laughs> so everyone yeah. should check it out you can pre-order it on amazon or all the book pages um but it comes out on the 29th darnell moore no ashes in the fire oh wow okay well, that is absolutely amazing. And I always love, my goal, I have maybe three or four books that are on my, like, you need to read these by the end of, uh, by the end of summer. So I'm like really excited to be able to add that to my, my list. Um, throwing out, I still have Patrice's book to read. I have the book, uh, why are all the black kids sitting at the uh, cafeteria table together? Um, and then there's one other book that I need to read. I think it's a Beyonce memoir that I need to read. So if, yeah, for those of you who are looking for books to read and maybe one day we can also maybe add that to our podcast where we can talk about the books that we're reading Mm. and what we're taking away from them. That would also be really good, um, for our listeners, but Overall, we've reached uh, the end of another episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right. We It was kind of heavy. So <laughs> if you know, for some of you, you're probably like, oh, Lord, I hope this is not how they always are. We will have more fun topics in the next couple of episodes. But uh, sometimes you just got to take out the trash. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, sometimes you do. Um, you have anything up uh, coming up, Kevin, that you want to tell the listeners about? No, just a lot more book work, edit, edit work, me alone yeah, ooh, at my yeah. desk. So... It's not exciting for the listeners. <laughs> you can send me good good uh, thoughts, though. <laughs> Lord, and I got this proposal to do. So it's, I guess a quick question before we, we jump off. Like, are you almost done with the book? Like, well, how far along are you on it? Are you still in the proposal phases? Oh, or are you actually no, like, in I'm, editing phases? No, I'm, it's, uh, this is like the thir- second round of serious edits. So, yeah, we're past the proposal. The manuscript is more or less done um there's two chapters that i need to like really still work on and then go back over everything another time um Mm. so like i'm smack in the middle of it yeah yeah and you You write you end up writing so much and then deleting so much because it doesn't work and that's the really i mean i've kind of gotten used to it now but at first it's like oh my god what are these twenty thousand words gonna do now they're just like disappearing (laughs) what is gonna Mm -hmm. happen but, yeah, I mean, I guess it's, I mean, it is part of the process. You can't get to the good words until you write a whole shit ton of bad ones to, <laughs> to push you towards the better ones. That is um, so real. Yeah. Whatever. It's, yeah. it's just like writing, yeah, it's like writing a dissertation. I felt oh, the yeah. same way. I had a whole bunch of, I got into a place with some of my chapters where I was like, oh my God, this is so great. And then my chair was like, it's got to go. And I was like, oh, Okay, so this is where we are and I'm starting from scratch. All right, that's cool. So I'm just, I'm really happy that you are at that place and I'm sure me and all of the people who who subscribe are going to be so excited to read it. Um, 
So with that, no, I don't really have um, any updates myself. Again, I still have two more schools that I'm heading to. Uh, June, I will be really just kind of focusing on uh, kind of following in your footsteps, trying to get a proposal done for the book I want to write and really kind of focusing on what I'm doing with my brand and where I'm going for the next couple of months. But overall, um, I, I guess just wanting to kind of shout out everybody who subscribed and mm. all of the people who continue to support both what we're doing here at Learn. It's very cool to to have people you don't even know come up to you and go, hey, aren't you on that Learnt podcast? And I'm like, oh my God, yes. So it's really cool to know that we have the support that we have. Yeah, so. we got a really good, like a lot of people were listening and, and sending messages and it was really cool. Mm-hmm. So thank you, everybody. Yes, thank you so much. So um, until next time, we thank you for listening and we will catch you on our next episode. But I see your truth